Hello and welcome to Conscious Business with the Corporate Yogi. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak. This podcast helps entrepreneurs develop the mindset needed to build and grow a conscious business. Whether you know it yet or not, your mindset is the subconscious blueprint that determines your success. Each episode, we explore the different ways that your business calls you forth to grow on a personal level and through your relationships. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Okay, so today, let's start with a true-false question. Okay, I'm going to quiz you. Is conflict always bad in a team environment? Okay, it's kind of a tricky one. I'm going to say it again. Is conflict always bad in a team environment? So I'm going to answer this question for you shortly. And we're actually going to dedicate this entire episode to talking about how we build strong teams. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. In our first segment, I'm going to explain how conflict can be normal. In our second segment, I'm going to introduce you to five different toxic teams. In our third segment, I'm going to teach you an approach that you can use to strengthen any team. But first, I want to start with a story. So recently, I facilitated an offsite with one of my favorite teams. And the focus of this offsite was team development also welcoming some new members of the team and just generally teaching them how to work better together. And we did many different things throughout the day. We reflected on our ideal dream teams and we talked about what made them so memorable. We also talked about systems theory and we talked about conflict because like it or not, you can never really talk about great teams without addressing the topic of conflict. Because here's the thing, when we get together in a room like that, we want to focus on what's going well, right? We want to be Pollyanna. And that is important to acknowledge the things that you're doing really well and the things that you strive to do different. But equally important is taking the time to discuss some of the big challenges, you know, the hot spots, the conflict that exists. Sometimes you might even feel it as the elephant in the room. And I see this often, a lot of times during team development, people want to get together and they want to play, you know, they want to do a game, like figure out how to build a castle together or make cupcakes together or do some sort of exercise where they can really promote, you know, in air quotes, I say teamwork and they come out of it together. They're efficient and they know each other. And these sort of exercises do serve a purpose and they're good for new teams that are really getting to know each other. But, and here's a big but, if your team has been working together for a while and if those levels of intimacy already exist or if there's any degree of conflict on the team, then these kind of fluffy exercises can actually fuel conflict. Mm -hmm. They can actually make it worse. And they can frustrate people because they don't feel like they're actually accomplishing anything. Think about it. Let's say you had you know, 20 or 30 people on your team, you took them off site for a day, what is the opportunity cost of not getting any work done that day? Add in a cost for the facilitator, the venue, the food, the travel, it's a pretty hefty investment. 
So I always like to define the difference between the two. So one is team building, which is light and fun, playful activity. But team development is where you actually roll up your sleeves and address the real values and needs of the team. And while we're all instantly drawn to doing maybe the light, fun activities, we somehow are missing out on the opportunity to do that deep healing work that teams really actually need. The empathy, the compassion, that deeper understanding by sharing perspectives. So I've been doing team development work for a long time now, and I've worked with many different teams, some teams very complex, but the approach is always simple. The primary objective of working with a team, it's two things, raising positivity and creating alignment, which means getting everyone to share a common vision. And I know in my circle with all my coach Friends, they also share this perspective. Whenever we have this opportunity to work with a team, we want the chance to do deep, meaningful work. Work that is going to create change, to solve problems, to teach them ways of working together better. And I have a great book that I want to reference in this episode. It's called You First, and it's by Leanne Davey. She says that team building activities are great for new teams that are looking to create shared experiences. They're also great ways to reward healthy teams with a change of pace and maybe some downtime together. But if you are trying to fix an unhealthy team, team building activities are more likely to make things worse than better. In toxic teams, these sort of activities can be downright reckless. Well said, Leanne. I couldn't agree more. And so this is why it's really, really important. If you are doing some sort of an offsite or some sort of team development work, get clarity on what it is that you're trying to achieve. Now, the same thing goes for adrenaline-based activities. You know, things that are physically challenging people, like, you know, getting them to hike a mountain or do something that's physically excruciating. And these exercises are really designed to push people out of their comfort zone and really create these shared experiences. And these are designed for team members who have a high risk tolerance, people who are comfortable being outside of their comfort zone. But not everyone, sadly, on your team is going to be able to do this. So here's an example of what I mean. Years ago, I was working at a company and I was partnered up with a colleague during a very physically intense and very pressurized scenario. And my partner had a complete and total meltdown. He couldn't handle the situation we were in. He was consumed with a lot of fear and he felt total shame for melting down in front of me. He was very embarrassed. Now, things, and I, you know, I I shouldn't make that assumption. I don't know exactly what was going on inside his head. All I know is from his body language, it felt like he was very embarrassed and very ashamed. And I do have to say that after that event, things between him and I were never normal. We never talked about it afterwards. All I know is that he was never able to make eye contact with me again because he had cried in this scenario. You know, remember, not everyone has the same 
tolerance for being pushed out of their comfort zone. And this is one of the biggest things I've realized over the years as a coach is that we're all going to learn at different paces and be able to take risks at different paces. And if you don't recognize this and more importantly respect this, then you might be doing more harm than good. So these are all really important things to think about when you're working with a team. So when I take a team off-site, I'm not going to pretend that everything is all hunky-dory, that everything is perfect and everyone gets along. I know that there's going to be some sort of conflict or animosity. And I'm going to talk about the synergy that exists and the milestones that exist, yes, but I'm also going to talk about conflict because we need to normalize conflict. So back to my original story with this offsite. So I introduced at the top of the day a concept to them that we all have two very important factors that are required us of, of us in our job. Two things. First off, technical skills that allow us to do our job. And secondly, relational skills. All right. So that's two important things that are required of us to do our job technical skills, relational skills. So then I like to ask people, how much of the conflict that we experience at work is due to a lack of technical skills versus relational skills? Hands down, it is always more popular that relational skills cause conflict. Always, always, always. Doesn't matter what team I talk to, what person I ask, That is always the response that I read. And this always kind of makes me scratch my head because if we can all agree that relational skills are the root of conflict and we all are aware of this, then why don't we invest more time, more attention, and more money into developing our relational skills? It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? It's always so easy for people to go off on a training course or to go to a conference, but yet focusing on building relationships, it's not something that we want to dive in and invest in. So that is the first gem that I want to leave you with today. Take time and apply this to your own life, maybe a team that you're a part of or a relationship that you're in. Think of any conflict that you've had and was the cause of the conflict a lack of technical skills, meaning was that person not able to do their job well, or was it due to a lack of relational skills? Think about it, and how much time and energy do you focus on investing in each? So first off, I wanna say that conflict is normal. There, I said it. Conflict, when handled respectfully and directed to the situation rather than pointing fingers at people, can be productive. And in fact, conflict and disagreement can be very beneficial on a team because when you have everyone in a room agreeing and seeing everything from the same opinion, well, you're missing out on some other important perspectives. In the next segment, I'm going to explain a little more closely why this is so important when we look at five different toxic teams. Now, this was one of my biggest realizations that we had during this offsite a couple weeks ago. The point was made a couple different times when people were talking about great teams that they had been a part of. Quite often, 
people referenced that there was very strong, healthy communication and, at the very same time, conflict. And this seemed to be a recurring theme throughout the day. And it really is human nature to be scared of conflict or different opinions, but it actually can be quite healthy. Now, whenever there is a problem or there is conflict on a team, guess where the solution lies? Does it lie outside of the team? Meaning, can it be solved by talking to other people and past telling with a bunch of he said, she said stories and scenarios? No. (laughs) Remember, every problem has the seeds of resolution already within it. I'm going to say that again. It's a great tweetable. Every problem has the seeds of resolution already within it. And behind every complaint is a request. Every single problem has the seeds of resolution already within it. Which means if you truly want to solve the conflict, you will lean into that discomfort and work it through with the person that you have the conflict with. If you're in conflict with someone, the solution lies with talking with them, not in retelling the story to other people and sharing how you were wronged. The further away you go from the source of the conflict, the further away you are going from the solution. And that's a big dose of tough love. I know I can speak from my heart in this moment. I can think of a lot of scenarios that I've had in the past where I wish I knew this information then because it's just in those highly emotionally charged situations that we react so intensely and we can't process what's going on and our ego takes over and we become very, very defensive. Now, the challenge with this is that both parties must be willing to solve the conflict. And sadly, there's still some people out there who are addicted to the pain of conflict and they actually don't want to solve it. So if you are in a relationship with a person like this or many people like this, I send you my love and my compassion. I know that it's very challenging and very frustrating to be in this scenario. What I will suggest is to be patient. Try not to take it personally. Try to take the high road, even though I know you might be tempted to lash back with more conflict, but don't let their addiction to the pain, to the conflict, to the poison rub off on you, okay? And even though it may not fix things in the short term, in most instances, speaking up for yourself and speaking your mind can really do wonders to make you feel better. Remember, unspoken truths are seeds of resentment. I'm going to say that again. Unspoken truths are seeds of resentment. A common theme that I see with a lot of my clients is, and especially when with people who are having um, problems with their throat, sore throat, dry mouth, anything going on in that uh, voice, throat chakra area, they're not standing up for themselves. They're not speaking their truth with others and you can't always be attached to what will happen it might not fix everything but when you keep that energy bottled up and you don't stand up for yourself it really causes you a lot of harm remember when we avoid something we never ever ever get better at it do we Okay, now I want to introduce you to five toxic teams 
And you can think of these as different archetypes that explain the personality or the common interactions that happen with different teams. Remember, just like we all have a different personal brand that is our identity, it's what we become known for. So too does our team. Our team actually has an identity. Now, these five toxic teens are taken from Leanne's book, You First, and I referenced it before. It's a fantastic book if you are passionate about building strong teams or if you're part of a team that is experiencing a lot of toxicity or a lot of conflict, you're definitely going to want to pick this up. And as I read through and explain each one of these teams that Leanne has created, you might want to think about it as maybe a toxic team you've been on in the past and see which one of these really, really speaks to you or sounds familiar, okay? We're gonna have a little fun with this. Team number one, it is called the Crisis Junkie Team. Now this is a team that needs an urgent and an immediate threat to come together and get things done. The Crisis Junkie Team. In fact, they actually thrive when there is a threat or something urgent that is happening. Now, the problem with this type of team is that they need to be facing a challenge to get motivated. And in some instances, they can even manufacture a crisis to give them some sort of common purpose. All right, so that's team number one, the crisis junkie team. Now, the second type of toxic team is, and this one's fun, the bobblehead team. And this is a team that is too aligned and doesn't have enough diversity or dissent to make good decisions. And this is really important to point out. Remember we did a whole episode number 71 when we talked about the biggest hiring mistake that people make and this is hiring people who are just like us. Because when we hire people like us, this keeps us inside our comfort zone because there's a familiarity, because we know that these people are going to think like us and act like us. You know, studies tell us that the strongest teams are the most diverse teams. And this encourages people to have different opinions and see things differently. And this is a good thing. So we do ourselves a disservice when we hire people who are just like us us, the bobbleheads, right? You end up looking around the table and you're sitting with a bunch of bobbleheads. All right, toxic team number three, the spectator team. This is where individuals only contribute in their own areas with little discussion or debate. This type of team is the one that develops without anyone really noticing that something's going wrong, but it's dangerous because there can be a lot of wasted time and a lot of siloed thinking, right? Where people focus on how things impact them, but they're not ever thinking about other people. So number three, the spectator team. Toxic team number four, the bleeding back team. Ouch, just think of that. Where conflict and differences of opinion are expressed through passive aggressive means, such as humor and gossip and back channel decision making. The reality is here that conflict is going to happen. Wouldn't you rather happen it, it happen out in the open where you know about it? Think about it. If someone had something to say about you that was negative or they disagreed with how you handled something, wouldn't you rather they say it professionally to your face than hear it through another person or another person who told another person? 
I know I would. And this is a great reminder of one of the four agreements. Be impeccable with your word. Develop the habit to never say anything about anyone or never write anything about anyone in email that you wouldn't be comfortable either saying to their face or for them to read it on their own. This is just one of those life rules that can be applied to all relationships that you're in and as well all teams that you're on. So toxic team number four, the bleeding back team. And number five is the Royal Rumble team, which sounds like the most fun, but not really. This is where passion and enthusiasm are misdirected into personal and unproductive conflict between members of the team. Now, this team I am pretty familiar with. What about you? I know productive conflict focuses on issues, not individuals, and unhealthy conflict Well, that usually involves a lot of blame, a lot of finger pointing, you did this, the stonewalling, the ignoring, the punishing, the withholding of information, all those things that just really make you shake your head. Now, what I've observed about these types of teams is that the unhealthy conflict just seems to amplify with every interaction. It's kind of like you're continuously raising the bar of dysfunction every time you communicate. So that's a quick look at the five common toxic teams. As I was reading through them, did any of them sound familiar to you? Have you been part of any of these teams in the past? What was it like? What was the cost of being on that team? How did it impact you? Maybe some of you might feel like you're on one of those teams right now. So I'm going to read the list through one more time just so you have a reminder. Number one was the crisis junkie team. Number two, the bobblehead team. Number three, the spectator team. Number four, the bleeding back team. And Toxic team number five is the Royal Rumble team. Now, as promised, this is a great chance to remind you about a tool that you can use to deal with conflict on any team. And this is one of the most useful tools that I have ever learned to understand conflict and also to raise positivity on teams. So we're going to talk about two really important concepts. Right now, I'm going to talk about systems theory and the third entity. Now, we've talked about these a little bit in past episodes, but I know it's also really good to come back to it because you might have a specific scenario right now that you can really apply this to. So let's start by talking about systems. So I want you to think of a system as a group of interconnected people with a common focus or identity. Let me say that again. A system is a group of interconnected people with a common focus or identity. Now, examples of systems would be, it could be people working in a team, in an office or at a company, could be a group of friends, could be a sports team or a club, it might be a friend circle, it could be a family. Now, the benefit of taking this systems perspective is that it helps us to see things from the big picture view instead of getting caught up in the weeds and somewhat insignificant details. It also helps us to see that we are aligned with our purpose and heading in the right direction. Now, 
I bring this up when we talk about teams for a really important reason. You know, earlier I referenced, you know, we talked about people wanting to point fingers and blame. Often what happens when we approach a dysfunctional team is that everyone wants to find that one person or those couple people who are the ones causing all the poison on the team and they think that if you can just get rid of those people that everything will be fixed and the team will be able to function a lot more normal. But this never happens according to systems theory. That person that was causing the conflict or those designated people, they serve a role within the team. So when you pluck them out of the team, someone goes in and backs, backfills that role. And I'm not talking about functional, I'm talking about the relational roles. So this is why it's so important to look at your team as a system. It's a collection of really intelligent people. But people on their own don't make up a company. It's the relationship that exists between the people. It's the emotional connection. It's the shared history, the common objectives or purpose of everyone working together. You can think of this relationship as the culture that exists. Or in coaching, we use a fancy term, the second one I'm introducing to you, third entity. Now, the third entity is just the energy dynamic that exists between people. This is what we need to focus our attention on because the third entity is where the true intelligence comes from. It's also where the conflict lives. So the third entity is just the relationship that exists between two or more people, and it's a very powerful and very dynamic relationship. Think of any relationship with you and another person or with a large group of people. Sometimes you'll be getting along famously. It'll be perfect, and your third entity is very happy. It's very positive. But then you get into a fight, and the third entity might feel a little tense. It might be a little strained. Have you ever walked into a meeting of people with decidedly different opinions and you can just feel that tension in the air, that negative energy, it's palpable. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. Conversation slows down a little bit. People start avoiding eye contact. There's lots of physical signs, but this is all going on at an energetic level. And I know you guys understand exactly what I'm talking about. This is the third entity that you are reading, that you are observing. It's a very real thing and paying attention to it also helps us to take us outside of our own head and be completely conscious and present in a group setting to really notice what is going on. Because in these moments, these emotionally charged moments, we can't process what's going on and our ego tries to take over and use logic and reason to get us out of this hot spot, but that never works. The only way that you can get out of this kind of a hot spot is to reveal the system to itself, which means to name what is going on. Now, depending on the relationship and depending how comfortable you are, that might feel normal, that might feel scary, which is why we used trained facilitators and coaches to help teams learn how to do this. In a business, we often explain the third entity as the culture. If you have 20 people in your company, the third entity or the culture is very unique. It's like very close. It's very friendly. Everyone might be on a first name basis and they might be very familiar, very approachable. But as you grow and you add people, 
the culture changes. Even adding one new person to that system is going to change the culture. This is why I often get frustrated when I hear people compare two companies and say, oh, their cultures are exactly the same. Or we want to have a culture just like people are usually referencing Google or some company like that and might have nothing to do with who they are. But you can never have Google's culture. You can go out and buy beanbag chairs and have furniture that they have, but your company is unique. And so you need to focus on your own company's culture. So cultures might be similar. They might have different, similar values, but it's like DNA. They are all unique in their own way. Now, the beauty of using a systems approach is that when conflict happens, there's always intelligence within it, okay? So this is my last heavy concept for the day. I'm going to say that again. When conflict happens, there is intelligence in the system. And by intelligence, I mean that conflict is teaching us something that we need to know. We don't view conflict as a problem that we need to avoid, rather a signal that change is happening in the system. So instead of looking at individuals to place blame for what is happening, we take a look at the big picture perspective and we try to understand what is trying to happen in the system. Okay, it's time to start wrapping up this episode on how to build powerful teams. We covered a lot of territory today. We talked about conflict and how conflict can actually be normal and healthy, depending how you deal with it. We talked about a number of different types of toxic teams. And we did a little refresher on systems theory and how to use systems theory to approach a team and also to read the third entity or the energy dynamic that happens or exists within a relationship. So thanks for hanging out with me today. Remember that being an entrepreneur is the most intense form of personal development that you will ever go through. So be patient and be kind to yourself. Deep down inside, you know how powerful you are. Now it's time to step up and let the rest of us see it.